Today we welcome in a man whose reputation precedes him as the 11th president in Austin State University history. Dr. Michael Lacari has been with us since March 1, and it has been a whirlwind for him from that day until this one as we get set to begin his first full academic year as the boss of all bosses at Austin P. All right, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure. One of my favorite questions to ask anybody who gets behind that opposite microphone is, why Austin P? Yeah, and really the answer uh, f uh, for me is uh, the students. Uh, that's what uh, that's what drew me here. You know, the opportunity to join a university that uh, is really making a difference in the lives of its students. Um, you know, permanently putting them on uh, better paths f uh, for the rest of their lives. And so that's um, you know that's an honor and uh, and a great experience uh, for for me as a as a academic leader. Your Minnesota roots. Obviously, it's it, you've you've come a long way from Minnesota. Have you? I'm guessing you've not enjoyed your first summer in the in the South. You know, it's uh, it's not too different from where we were living uh, in Indiana and in Terre Haute for the last uh, five and a half years or so. And so, um, but it is a big difference. By far, this is the furthest south that uh, Kirsten and I have ever lived. Uh, both of us are, are from Minnesota, and so, um, yeah, we're not quite used to these hot, humid summers. The the Minnesota connection for you two meeting in the in the marching band. Right. Just take me back to that time in, in Minnesota for you and kind of what what life was like for a young future Austin be president. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I I really uh, was really having a great time as a as a college student. Um, I was getting what I would call and what I tell students now. Um, I was getting every last little drop of goodness out of my. Uh, undergraduate experience, you know, very involved in, in things both academically and socially. Um, you know, the, being part of the marching band was a, was a huge experience um, because, uh, you know, that also got you into playing for the, uh, for the hockey pep band. And of course, uh, in Minnesota, hockey is, uh, is king. And so uh, being able to uh, get into every single one of those home games uh, and be part of that, um, that craziness was uh, was was really fun as well. So, yeah, it meant a lot to me um, connecting to the university like that. And of course, uh, Kirsten and I met uh, as uh, members of the marching band uh, together. So, not only was it a great experience for me in terms of kind of launching my my uh, career, but uh, it launched my family as well. What was it in your life that drew you towards continued work in higher education? Yeah, you know, I, I remember this. It was interesting, you know, how you remember kind of like the, the small things. Uh, I was taking a walk through campus uh, one, uh, one afternoon. Um, I can't remember if it was my sophomore, junior year, though. That's the only thing I can't remember. But I was walking around thinking, you know, what am I going to do? How, how am I going to make, how am I going to matter? How am I going to make a difference? And I was walking around campus and I realized I'm walking around this educational institution. And I said, there it is. Um, I want to be in education somehow. I want to teach. I want to contribute to uh, making people around me, you know, better off. And, and so that's, that's the, literally the afternoon when I decided I needed to be uh, an educator somehow. Yep. And you took that first step at Northern Iowa, correct? No, actually, uh, my first uh, my first uh, career position was at the uh, State University of New York in Binghamton. Um, that was my first uh, tenure track uh, professor job uh, out of um, out of uh, graduate school. We were out there for four years. It was a great place to launch my career. It was an interesting place to be. We, you know, had grown up in the Midwest, and so kind of being out uh, towards the east was uh, was kind of fun. Um, we were kind of 
I don't know, about three hours from New York City, so we could get down there relatively easily uh, just to visit and hang out. Um, we had our son Daniel out there, um, and that's when it, that's when we decided we needed to get back to the Midwest and, and came back uh, to uh, to uh, the University of Northern Iowa, where where I joined the faculty there in 2001. And there, you really did the full climb from professor, associate provost, dean of the graduate college, acting president for a time. As you take each of those different steps at the same place, what are you learning about how higher education works? Yeah, you know that. So I owe a lot to the University of Northern Iowa. I still have a lot of really close friends there um, because I was able to to be there for such a long period of time, and the university, like you said, was so good to me in terms of uh, giving me more opportunities to uh, to grow uh, as an academic and to grow as a as a leader, a university leader. It. Um, uh, as, as I was listening to you kind of tick through all of those uh, stopping points in my, in my career, you know, uh, I'm smiling because uh, each step you gave me two opportunities. One was to learn an, a brand new set of skills and, uh, uh, and, and learn a brand new set of things. The other was to um, uh, take more responsibilities, have a bigger uh, vision, have a larger scope and uh, a breadth of action. And so uh, as I progressed through the ranks there, you know, I, I, uh, I, I learned a lot, which is always exciting for me. Um, but then also I, I gathered more and more responsibility, which uh, in and of itself is important um, as, your, as your scope grows. You know, the, the role in which that you play uh, takes on a, a, a kind of a different tone. You know, you become more of a leader and, and, uh, and an enabler of, of, of others, a supporter of others, rather than doing all the work yourself. You, you're at Northern Iowa for a while. You really make, I mean, you look at it, you make a big mark there. What led you to Indiana State? Yeah, you know, um, one of the things uh, I, I do think about uh, leadership is that you do need to keep progressing. You do need to keep learning. Otherwise, you, uh, you run the risk of sort of getting complacent and you just kind of coast for a little while. And that isn't healthy personally for your own career and for your own well-being. And it's certainly not healthy for the organization that you're working for because they need to be able to get everything out of you, right? And you need to be able to give everything that you have to that organization. And so, you know, I mentioned learning. One of the things that I, I, I think is critical for, at least for me, but I think really for leaders in general, is that if you've stopped learning, then you've just stopped. And I needed to learn again, and I needed to take another new position in a new university. And so uh, uh, I, I jumped over to Indiana State. Um, you know, and, and, uh, and, and I think for all the right reasons, like I just articulated, but then also their student body um, was really compelling uh, to me in terms of being able to make a difference in the lives of, of a lot of students who were first in their family to go off to college, who were, you know, oftentimes coming from uh, low-income households and things like that. So it was a really powerful place to me uh, to be for, uh, for five and a half years. How do you square with yourself when you're you enter that feeling of, I could just coast here. Yeah, it's it's all fine. It's all set up. It's running like clockwork. It's smooth. Right, right. But I need a challenge. Yeah, at, at, right. And so, <laughs> my wife can always tell when I've sort of started to get bored. Uh, you know, because my I think my I think it's my whole demeanor just changes. Um, you know, and 
I think it's important for leaders to know when that uh, when when that uh, phase hits, right? Um, and to honestly uh, confront that and say, this is not healthy. If I'm a good leader, um, it's time for me to turn over the reins to somebody else because um, uh, that next person is going to do a better job than I'm doing right now. So that's sort of the way I felt, um, you know, and uh, that's, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited to be here. I'm in full-on learning mode right now. It is, I'm having a blast. Um, and there's so much to do uh, that there is no chance of me becoming complacent or bored for a really long time. So I've landed like in the, 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 the best position uh, uh, possible. I'm, I'm just thrilled and honored to be here. You've been in higher ed for more than two decades now. Mm -hmm. What's changed about it? Yeah, a lot, um, a lot really. You know, the uh, the landscape of uh, of higher education has become um, uh, pretty competitive. Uh, you know, the, the the inertia of enrollment I don't think is there anymore. The the competition is is pretty stiff, uh, both in terms of um, you know kind of what I'll call market share of of student enrollment, but then also in terms of making sure that uh, we're still providing opportunities for, for you know, students who don't think about college, don't think about going to college, um, to, uh, to think carefully about the opportunities that going to college will provide them. So um, I think that landscape has, uh, has really changed. I think, um, I think public expectations, and, and I, I, I'm, I'm good with this, uh, about the value that we're providing. So our value proposition, I think, is, um, uh, is something that is under a lot more scrutiny than it maybe has been, you know, in, in the past. Uh, is it, you know, parents are asking, is it worth, you know, sending my kid off to school? And, and the answer is yes, uh, particularly here at Austin P. But, um, you know, that, that question is being asked a lot more. So, uh, I, I, and I think those are healthy challenges uh, for, for a university because it sharpens us. It uh, makes sure that what we're doing here is, uh, is, is excellent. Uh, and so I don't mind the pressure, but it's certainly there. What's remained the same? I think the commitment to uh, to to our students that that's been a constant, and that's been one of the you know one of the hallmarks of uh, of, of a university. It's still, and it always has been, and I think it always will be uh, a good idea to go to college, <laughs> um, whether or not you're a traditional student coming straight out of high school. There's value because you're going to learn a lot, but then also you're going to grow up and you're going to uh, experience a lot of interesting things. You're going to meet some nice people. If you're kind of coming back to college after uh, being in the workforce or the military, let's say, um, you know, we can uh, we can help you uh, get to the uh, professional goals and, and pathways that you want. And so that has that has remained. And I, so I, I think the. Uh, I think the commitment there to to the student body is uh, is certainly is certainly always been there and always will be. Let's talk about your first few months here at Austin P. You hmm. took over in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> I did, There's yeah. just no way to. <laughs> that's the top line of any discussion. Is you had to take on this monumental task right. at a at probably the most uncertain point in the university's history. Yeah, it was pretty strange uh, coming in uh, on March 1st and campus is, you know, um, 
mostly empty because of the um, because of the pandemic and uh, at the time of course the, we're on the very early stages of of a vaccine uh, being available and so uh, that protection wasn't there for folks and so it was mostly empty and uh, at the end of the day yeah it was uh, it was really strange I was very hard to um, and of course my job is to get to know people my job literally is to be the the voice and face of the university and it's really tough to do that when uh, when you can't can't uh, meet people face to face and can't really get to know them sit down with them you can see them on a zoom screen but as we all know it's that's not, it's just not the same right so that's been uh, that's been a challenge and um, anybody that you uh, talk to will know that I have been waiting for this week uh, since my arrival because I've just been so anxious to get uh, students back to campus. You know, I uh, walked up here to the Dunn Center, um, made sure I walked by uh, some of the residence halls as folks were moving in and just, you know, chatted a little bit with some of the parents and things like that. It's just so cool to see everybody coming back. How was convocation for you? Where for the first time you really got to have everyone in a room together. Right. It was a, that was a big deal. I'll, I'll, I'll admit that I was, you know, there were some butterflies in my stomach because I was real, I realized, man, this is the first, I've been here for what, five months now or so, but um, this is the, actually my first chance. That was my first chance to uh, speak to campus uh, essentially all at once. And so it was a big deal for me. And, um, but it was also thrilling. It was exciting. Um, uh, it was uh, a great opportunity for me just to sit and, as I was preparing my remarks, to just focus on, uh, on making sure that I was able to clearly articulate what I think we really need to focus on for, uh, for the next coming academic year. So that was, uh, that was nice. It, it sharpened my thinking. Uh, and then the rest of the day was, uh, was cool, too, because I got to interact you know, personally and face-to-face -face with uh, so many staff and, and faculty from around campus. So uh, I, I had a blast. That was a really fun day for me. I'm sure you've done a SWOT analysis or two in your day, mm -hmm. the strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. What, what would be the SWOT analysis for Austin P? Well, so I think the strengths uh, definitely uh, come from the people, uh, both on campus and in the community. This, uh, this, this university is uh, uh, one that enjoys a tremendous amount of, uh, of community support, uh, and I'm very, very grateful for that. The faculty and staff here work really hard and uh, are, are rightly proud of, of, the, of the efforts that they've put in and, and the successes that we've had. Um, and so that's certainly a strength, uh, and, that's, and that's no small thing. Um, that's probably one of the harder things to get right is to make sure you've got good people. And so uh, that's, a, that's an enormous strength for, uh, for us. You know, in terms of, I, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a weakness, um, um, because I'm, I'm not sure that there's any places in on campus that are weak per se. There's certainly opportunities to get better, but, um, you know, what, what I think we, we really need to, to make sure that we stay sharp on is, uh, and, and this kind of goes back to some of the things that I mentioned before about uh, being competitive articulating our, our value proposition effectively uh, I, I think those are the I think those are the things that any university including Austin P or will really have to stay sharp on um, opportunities my goodness this whole uh, th this whole coming year is one where we're going to be articulating our opportunities as we get to some planning work and and uh, some visioning work and so I'm really really excited uh, about that 
we have a lot of opportunities in in uh, in Clarksville and Montgomery County because of the growth of the population here. So uh, we have we have a, a menu of of potential options in front of us. We just need to kind of prioritize and and focus on the ones that we think are going to you know uh, help us the most. You know, and then uh, I don't know about threats. Um, I think Austin P is uh, kind of in the uh, it. it in the in the same category that pretty much every institution of higher ed is in regarding regarding threats, and I, I think that's some of the things I articulated uh, as as uh, before, which is you know making sure that uh, people understand that um, that what we're doing here is working, and um, um, so just making sure that our value proposition is well articulated and that people know who we are. You know. Um, I, it's one of the reasons why I like uh, the logo that uh, is starting to, to, to be used uh, in, in athletics uh, that I've noticed the most is uh, putting the gov uh, head inside the outline of the state of Tennessee, right? Yeah. Um, we need to not be the state's best kept secret. Uh, and I think if, if there was a threat to Austin P, it would be making sure that we overcome some of that. And that's why I like that logo. Um, and that's why I think uh, we've got some great opportunities regarding getting our name out there, getting uh, getting noticed, and, uh, and and marketing ourselves effectively. You've talked about the faculty and the staff, and one of the things you said during convocation that I really enjoyed was about professional development opportunities and upward mm -hmm. mobility. How important are those things in the world of modern higher education? Because I just don't think in times past it was necessary. You got a job, you work there, you got a gold watch 25 years later, and we shuffled you off into retirement. <laughs> well, you know, uh, the, the, the lay of the land and the important work that we're doing here is such that none of this is going to be possible if we don't have great people. Uh, if we don't have uh, uh, great people doing great work, uh, you need to support them. You need to give them opportunities to advance their career, um, sort of like what I was given in terms of an opportunity at Northern Iowa. Um, because that gives them drive and motivation. It helps their morale uh, when they know that there's um, uh, something that they can work towards uh, that will, um, uh, you know, move them through their own career pathway. Uh, so you need to you need to provide that supportive, uh, reinforcing environment um, so that uh, everybody understands what the what the mission is, or what the vision is, where we're going. Uh, so that they can, you know, all, you know, kind of pull in the same directions. It just really starts with the people. How do you prioritize that aspect, that upward mobility, that development, that being better all the time without losing sight of the ultimate goal, which is graduating young people who are ready to contribute? Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, as, uh, as I've been uh, speaking uh, with, with folks and uh, the, the, the term I used a lot at my convocation address was focus. Uh, and that is to remain focused on, on the thing that matters, which is student success, graduating, graduating our students uh, in a timely fashion. Um, and all of the things that we're doing on campus need to feed into that. That's how you make sure that uh, things don't get siloed into different uh, categories. That's the way to ensure that you build a coherent team on campus. And that's how you ensure that everything that we do, every bit of effort that we expend on campus is fed in somehow to that ultimate mission of graduating our students. Since this is nominally an athletics podcast, 
did want to slip a few in about athletics. <laughs> what is your vision for what we do over here as it relates to the overall health of the university and promoting a vibrant campus life? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, you know, uh, as, as I was kind of articulating some of the uh, strategic priorities that I think we're going to need to uh, uh, focus on in a revised strategic plan for the university, uh, one of those categories is um, uh, vitality and, and, and energy. Um, I'm calling it literally university vitality. And athletics plays an enormous component of that. Um, it brings uh, so much uh, of, of what we're doing in terms of connectedness to our external constituents, the community that we sit in in Clarksville and Montgomery County, the state of Tennessee. Uh, it brings uh, it brings attention, positive attention to campus, right? We're in the news because uh, the football team is ranked 20th in the nation, uh, because um, we've got new uh, men's and women's basketball coaches, because the softball team is doing a good job, because we're OVC champs in tennis or beach volleyball. Those are all positive things that the community sees and, and therefore it reflects positively on the university as a whole, so that when somebody hears Austin P. State University, they think, oh, that place is great. Uh, and so it goes to reputation, it goes to visibility, uh, it goes to engagement. We have a lot of folks who come to our campus to see uh, ball games uh, or matches, and um, uh, maybe that's the only reason why they step foot on our campus. And that's a way for us to be able to promote all of the other things that we're doing here, right? So. Mom and dad bring their kid to, uh, to a basketball game or a softball game, uh, and a little kid uh, leaves with some pretty positive impressions of their experiences. They uh, go to one of the coaches' camps for a few years, and then pretty soon we get them as a, as a high school senior because they've, uh, they've applied to, uh, to Austin P and they want to come here because we've been, been able to develop that relationship with, uh, with those kids for, for so long. It's all about engagement, and uh, athletics is an enormous uh, uh, way for us to engage the community. How can we better, over here anyway, speak to our external audiences using athletics to promote the larger university brand? Yeah, and so uh, I, think, uh, I think it goes to uh, the athletics director, Gerald Harrison's uh, concept, uh, the total gov concept. I think that's a, a, a perfect way to think about how uh, athletics as a whole can contribute to the overall mission of the university. You know, the Total Gods concept is one that says we, we need to be excellent uh, competitors uh, in our sports, um, but we also need to be excellent uh, off the field or court uh, or pitch as well um, because uh, these are student athletes, so they need to do well in, in class, they need to do well on campus, they need to provide leadership to, uh, to the student body for the university. Uh, and, and that, I think, uh, encapsulates uh, the way in which athletics then plays that role of being positive ambassadors for campus. When you think and talk about athletics, you kind of have the four different pillars. You got your athletes, you got your coaches, you got your support staff, and of course you have the fans. Mm -hmm. For you, what is a sign that those four pillars are strong and healthy and providing the service that they are meant to provide to the university? Yeah, I think, uh, I think it all comes down to integrity, right? Uh, that uh, if you run a program uh, with, uh, with integrity uh, and have uh, excellent professionals um, in coaching and staff positions, 
You have uh, student athletes who are providing leadership to the student body, whether it's because they're excellent um, uh, in the classroom, and many of our student athletes are carrying perfect 4.0 GPAs, uh, or they are providing community service, uh, or what have you. Uh, and then the fans, um, you know, it, are, are they coming to the games? Are the, is the fan experience therefore one where they can expect to see a competitive team uh, playing for Austin P and in an environment where they know it's going to be uh, fun and engaging? Let's look to the future a little bit for the university at large. During convocation, you said a lot of things that I think got a lot of people really excited because it's an indication that you've really sat down and used the time of whatever this world has been over the last few <laughs> months while you've uh, gotten your feet wet as our president to really strategize. And I want to hit a few of those things because you want to identify priorities and set goals for the university. Just saying it, I feel like put it on people's radars more like you think about the administration as people who ostensibly are identifying priorities and setting goals. Mm -hmm. I don't really remember anybody ever actually sitting down and telling us all before, hey, this is what we're going to do and where we're going. Yeah, I, and I think that's really important for uh, for a, a campus leader to, to, to articulate that clearly and transparently and have a process that is engaging uh, for all of campus because you know, when I when I laid out those thoughts on Monday, uh, you know, I was starting with, um, you know, revisiting our mission and vision statements. These are fundamental components of the campus culture. Uh, and I could sit down by myself in my office and write mission and vision statements that I think would be probably pretty good. But nobody is going to like them because they're not theirs, right? Uh, and, I, and I said earlier that campus uh, goes nowhere without good people, uh, and we have good people. And what I want to do is make sure that we, as a campus, are collectively committed uh, to uh, a mission for the university and a vision for where we're going. If we're not collectively committed to those things, we're never going to go anywhere. Uh, and so my job as, a, as, a, as the leader of campus is to bring the entire institution along rather than dragging them along, but, uh, but, uh, but building a team. You know, it's, it's, it's very, very similar to uh, you know, uh, what, what, what Scotty's doing with the football team. It's building a team. Do you ever find yourself having to check that particular part of, I guess, ego, for lack of a better word? Because like you said, you could absolutely write a perfectly serviceable vision and mission statement and hand it to Bill Persinger and go, here, get this to everybody on campus. It's our mission statement <laughs> right. now. Right. Now, you know, um, actually, uh, I, I, I think personally, and, and um, uh, maybe, this is, maybe this is a bit uh, arrogant to say, but I, 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 don't, I, I don't think so because, and I think it's because of the way I came into the university leadership. It was in a very collaborative environment. It was through faculty leadership, really, that uh, that I got my start in seeing campus as a whole, rather than just my own home academic department. And so, um, you know, I came to it with an approach that, man, this is this doesn't work if if you don't establish good teamwork, if you're not transparent about things, so that you can generate buy-in and support uh, from all of your constituents. You know, the, the, the university is, a, is, is nothing but a collection of people, and, um, and if you can't, um, can't gather that group of people 
around a common purpose, then then you're then you're not effective as a leader. The the buy-in, and especially from the greater Clarksville area, I've I've been here in some capacity for longer than I care to admit right now, <laughs> but it's higher than I feel like it's ever been in my time here, and yet I feel like we're just really starting to scratch the surface. How do you really get that buy-in from your community? Well, I mean, uh, and and as I said, I'm I'm grateful for the support from the from the community because uh, you're right. It's it's very engaged, and as I interact with community leaders, uh, business leaders, uh, folks that have either just gotten here or been here for a really long time, they all are uh, excited about uh, having the university here, where it's going, the and recognize the importance and the value that it provides uh, to uh, to the region. Um, and so I think, uh, I think the way to, to make sure that um, uh, I get the buy-in from, from the local community is, is by engaging them directly, uh, by asking them for their advice and opinion as, as to uh, what they feel about campus, what they think uh, the university ought to be doing, where that we could get better. Uh, and so uh, they're, uh, they're a component of, the, um, of some of the uh, uh, data gathering that we just started to do uh, surveys went out today. Uh, surveys went out to faculty and staff on campus, went out to students and uh, the community members as well because um, they're important in this. Um, I, I need to make sure that we stay engaged with the with the local community because they, they provide a lot of support for us. Our partnership and our relationship with Fort Campbell has always been a key component of this university. What's the potential like there now? I mean, we've always had such good, strong ties with them, and yet it feels like there's still so much we can do with them. There, there really is, uh, and and we do have good ties, and we can't take them for granted. It's, uh, you know, our enrollment is 25% uh, of it is uh, military affiliated, and so you know, it's no small thing. So they're they're critical to the, to the identity of the uh, of the campus. Very excited about uh, Major General uh, Walt Lords uh, coming onto my leadership team. Uh, to, uh, to be the military advisor in residence. Uh, and through his work and uh, Provost uh, Cronley's work uh, and uh, Chris Nakutis out at, uh, at Fort Campbell, she runs our Fort Campbell facility out there. Um, you know, we're already devising ways to further uh, engage the military, uh, particularly right at Fort Campbell, with, uh, with new academic offerings, with um, expanded outreach. Uh, plus then I'll say, the state just funded uh, the launch of our new um, National Security Military Studies Institute, and so this is going to turn into, uh, as we uh, as we launch it, something that will uh, further deepen our our commitment and engagement with the military. And so, I think you're right. Um, it's our our, our connection uh, to Fort Campbell and the military is already strong, and it's only going to get stronger. You said something a couple times during convocation about embracing the moment opportunity knocks. I think it's a great philosophy for people just in their general day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. For you as the university president and recognizing those opportunities, how do you know when it's the right one? Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, opportunity knocks all the time, and uh, you're right. You do need to be discerning. Um, I do like to say yes to things because I'm an optimistic person, uh, and I think, uh, I, I think there are a lot of good ideas out there, but, you know, you do need to prioritize. You do need to be choosy sometimes, and you do, you do need to do your research. 
Uh, and I think, uh, I think they're, uh, uh, I've got a great strategic leadership, senior leadership team uh, around me full of uh, people that are smarter than I am. And so um, uh, it's a real team effort. You know, we will kick ideas around the table. I try to create an environment on my leadership team, and I've always tried to do this throughout my career, where, um, you know, no bad ideas, uh, no egos at the table, no hurt feelings, nothing personal. It's just ideas and, uh, and process thinking. Uh, and so I try to create that open, free-flowing environment, uh, and, um, and that allows us then to, to really kind of peel things back and take a good hard look at them. It's here I want to give you a choice. You can lay out a – you can spend a minute or two laying out your vision for the university, our pathway, where you think we're headed, where you think we've been, or – you can answer the modified Proust questionnaire that I throw at all our student athletes and coaches every week. Oh, this sounds like a, this sounds like a trap. Uh, <laughs> no trap. There's no. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, uh, since I articulated my vision at least for the coming academic year in uh, in convocation on Monday, um, I, I'll, I'll take the second. Uh, I'll take the second bucket. All right, we'll we'll do the questionnaire then. All right, Dr. Lacari, what is your favorite word? What is my favorite word? Opportunity. Yeah, yeah, that and focus. So I'll give me two. Give me two. What is your least favorite word? I can't. Who or what inspires you? Uh, you know, really, um, I've always looked to my dad. Uh, he uh, he provides provides a lot of motivation to me. He always has. Um, yeah, and so uh, trying to, uh, you know, growing up, I was always trying to live up to his expectations. Uh, he's always challenged and pushed, and, uh, and so, yeah, my dad. What is the last book you read for fun? Last book I read for fun? Well, it was a, uh, it was a, a I, I do read a lot of military history, and so, you know, it's, it's going to be a little, it's going to be a little strange for most people, but it was actually von Clausewitz on war. That does not sound like light bedtime. Or it's not, but uh, but it's uh, a good way for me to uh, you know read something else uh, not related to higher education. But it actually does all this military history stuff actually does kind of circle back to uh, my role as uh, as an organizational leader. There are some really good leadership philosophies that you can glean from those kinds of tomes. Yep, absolutely. What is your worst habit? My worst habit is I stay up too late. Uh, you know, I don't I don't turn the light off usually until about one in the morning, and that's uh, that's probably not healthy. As a fellow insomniac, I <laughs> feel you wholeheartedly there. What app on your phone gets the most use? Email. What is the most terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in? Oh goodness, um, I was on a flight uh, from Atlanta to Milwaukee. Uh, this was in the nineties. And uh, I can't remember. It was a it was a big jet jetliner, and uh, lost cabin pressure. Uh, the uh, the masks came out of the ceiling. You couldn't breathe. Uh, it was terrifying. Yep, that was uh, that was one of those uh, you look back on your on your life moments. What is your idea of happiness? Oh goodness, uh, things clicking into place. Just kind of a feeling of contentment where uh, where where you've gotten everything kind of sorted out, figured out, and uh, and everything is just kind of clicking right along. What's your idea of misery? Uh, 
uncertainty and uh, just kind of a feeling that uh, things are, are outside of your control. That, that, that's just a, a miserable kind of feeling to be in. What makes you self-conscious? What makes me self-conscious? Well, uh, you know, uh, and I was texting uh, back and forth with a former colleague of mine at, uh, at, at Indiana State, and I'm, I cracked a joke. It's, uh, you know, uh, that, uh, that over the last, just last five years or so, I've gotten a lot more gray hairs and a lot more pounds, and so there you go. <laughs> what is the most embarrassing song you love? Oh man, too many to answer there. <laughs> I like I like music. I really, really do, and I listen to a lot of different kinds of it, uh, just depending on my on on my mood. Uh, and so I'll uh, every once in a while I'll listen to some pretty silly stuff, you know, like Weird Al Yankovic kind of things, you know, right? <laughs> so uh, there you go. I'm, I guess I'm on record now. <laughs> How would you prefer to die? Oh my goodness. Uh, Probably like most everybody else, right? Peacefully and in your sleep. If you were reincarnated, what would you like to come back as and why? <laughs> um, you know, probably uh, probably like a cat or something like that, you know? I thought that might be your answer. Yeah, because, uh, uh, you know, you can see pretty good in the dark, got a good sense of smell, pretty good dexterity. You can essentially go wherever you want. Yeah, pretty cool. What might prompt you to lie? Oh, man. Yeah, that's... Uh, uh, I, I don't, right? Because, uh, you know, if you tell the truth, uh, there's a lot less to remember. Uh, and you're, <laughs> well, so there's, that's the joke side of it. The rest of it is, uh, you know, you, I, I spoke earlier about having integrity. Um, you know, every once in a while, I think every human being tells a little white lie just to avoid hurting somebody's feelings. What makes you hopeful? Students every single year coming, coming into campus, you know, um, there's a lot of doom and gloom sayers out there that, uh, you know, say, oh, you know, this, this country's down, heading down the wrong path or the world is, uh, you know, uh, on the wrong path. And then you see, you see students, K-12 students, new, new college students coming in and you realize, man, these are smart, these are hardworking kids these are talented people with goals uh, and ideas I think we'll be all right what is our purpose in life make better make people that are around you better off that's a pretty good one yeah so as we wind to the end here let's let's talk the family a little bit yeah. uh, Kirsten your lovely wife Daniel your son yep. and your five cats yes we have five cats uh, yeah <laughs> all in Archwood uh, uh, Kirsten, uh, has always had cats, uh, throughout her whole life. And I, I never had cats growing up. Uh, and so, um, uh, now we have cats. So, uh, but it's good, you know, they've all been rescued from different situations. And so Kirsten has a big heart. Um, she, uh, she though did not run, uh, any of these five by me, uh, in advance. They all just kind of showed up. Uh, but, uh, uh, I, I joke about it to people, but I do love them because they're, they're pretty cool. And you and Kirsten have been married, what? 28 years. That's pretty good. You yeah. know, 28 years, you start to feel like, man, there's probably something to this. We'll yeah, right. I know. <laughs> we, we're, we're clicking right along. Everything's good. As I said, what make, when you ask me what makes me happy, it's, uh, you know, when everything kind of falls into place. And uh, it certainly has with us. You know, we're, um, uh, we're, we're, we're a great couple. We're... Um, you know, really, really happy, proud of our son, Daniel. 
uh, and I've leaned really hard on Kirsten, you know, pretty much the whole time we've been married. She's been so supportive. Um, you know, I wouldn't have been able to get through graduate school, but for her and, um, you know, wouldn't have had the career anywhere near what I've had uh, if it weren't for her support. So, yeah, she's been uh, she's been great. And Daniel just recently graduated from Indiana State, correct? Yep. And he's yeah. stayed in Indiana? Yep. Yeah. So he graduated in May um, uh, from Indiana State with a biology degree and um, is working at a biotech firm in Indianapolis. So it, it all works, right? You go off to college, you, you do well, you graduate, and you get a job. So there you go. That's exactly how it's supposed that's, to go. <laughs> that's the system working <laughs> as go. it was designed Bingo. to work. Yep, so we're really proud of him. Dr. Corey, thank you so much for taking some time out of a very busy time in your year. Not that you ever really get a lot of downtime, <laughs> but, you know, a few days out from everything really kicking off. Yep, yep. No, I'm excited for the year. Thanks for having me, and uh, let's go through